Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name is John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He was a state trooper who became a sheriff's deputy, and his life changed physically, mentally, emotionally when he was badly injured during a life and death battle and a suspect was killed. And he's coming up to talk about it on the Law Enforcement Today Show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from South Carolina. On the phone, we have Eddie Richardson on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Eddie, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me, Jay. I appreciate it. Eddie, by the way, is a retired police corporal, or I should say retired sheriff's corporal. And I know some people, that's important. There's a hierarchy when it comes to terminology, primarily when you have terms like ex-former and retired. Uh, when we talk about sheriff's deputies, police officers, state troopers, they pretty much go hand in hand, and I don't make a big deal out of it. I don't think you do either, do you? No, not really. I mean, I I am retired because of medical reasons, but to me, uh, once a cop, always a cop. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, I've been retired now 27 years, actually more than 27, and it's pretty much still a major part of my DNA. My career was ended, like yours, by, by injury, line of duty injury. And it wasn't something I was prepared before, for. And when it happened, I was 33 years old and had to find out what do I do from here on out. And a big part of what I do is radio, obviously, and also combining my passion for law enforcement with the law enforcement radio show. Before we get into details of your incident what end of your career, the injuries, everything else. You're pretty involved in a group called the Wounded Blue. Tell us about that. Oh, well, thank you for uh, for plugging us. I, I greatly appreciate it. We, the Wounded Blue was created by wounded officers for wounded officers. And what we're trying to do, and it seems kind of cliche to say it this way, is one-stop shopping for injured cops. When When you deal with the injury, you're dealing with not only the physical aspects of dealing with comp and dealing with with uh, the hierarchy at work. You're also trying to find out what benefits you have, uh, what's available for you at what time, and, and how they're available for you. And I, I can honestly say I made 
a minimum of 500 telephone calls trying to figure out the who, what, where, when, why. And I'm still learning at this time different benefits that were available to me uh, through my state, uh, let alone throughout the entire country. So what we're trying to do is make an umbrella group where you can call. And first of all, I, I'm their, the coordinator for their peer support uh, network that we have. We have a group of injured officers that are trained to do peer support for other injured officers, both physically and mentally. And I think that's an important part to, to touch on there is that the mental scars are as bad as the physical scars. Absolutely. And they need to be recognized. So we do peer support for them. When we launch, we're actually going to be offering a membership service where we focus on uh, specifically PTSI, which I know is a term that you like to use and we like to use also because we feel it's an injury, not a disorder. Absolutely. There's a former Navy SEAL that runs a, that runs a program called CAPER. And it's going to be called Confidential Assistance for Emergency Responders. And what it's going to do is if you're if you're if you sign up for a sponsorship with this or um, a subscription service with this group, the Wounded Blue, we're going to offer licensed therapists and licensed psychologists that you can talk to via Skype from your home outside of EAP or employee assistance programs that you have at work outside of your normal insurances to where you don't even have to go to a doctor's office. You can actually Skype with them and tell them, you know, what's going on, go through therapies with them. They're first in the nation to be able to do this. And it takes kind of that stigma out of, is anybody going to see me leaving my house? Is anybody going to see me going to a doctor's office? Is anybody going to know from HR that I've reached out for services. So it brings that next level of confidentiality to everything while also trying to direct people to the services that they need. So as they're wounded, we're going to help them with the mental health aspect of it. And where can we're people get more with, information about that? At thewoundedblue.org is our website. We also have a Facebook page called The Wounded Blue, which I will say very, very uh uh, very proudly, the donate button is working on there. We are a 501c3. We've now got everything up and running for donations. And on the website, you can actually go on there and pre-register for a uh, for either a sponsorship or a membership if you want to join. Now, understand, as a wounded officer, you will receive these benefits for free. So if you're wounded to the point where you're not able to go back to work, we're not asking you for a membership. That's this good is, to know because it, it could so easily be construed by people as a money-making uh, operation, but that doesn't seem to be the situation. I've had a chance to talk with you before the interview. I've had Jennifer Hill on the show quite a while ago. Uh, we, um, by the way, for those listening and you're thinking, how common is this? It's very common. And it's a, a huge problem throughout the United States, all across the country, different agencies, state, county, city, it doesn't matter. You would think, and we were told ever since we were rookie police, that if something bad happened to you, you'd be taken care of. We'd take care of you. We got your back. And the departments pretty much do uh, the best they can. However, the cities, the county governments, the state governments, they don't. And when officers survive catastrophic injuries, they're not taken care of. 
And it's a huge, huge problem. They're not taken care of financially. They're not taken care of emotionally. They're not taken care of physically. And quite often, they're abandoned. We we just filmed, or actually, we we filmed it uh, last year, but it's now on Amazon Prime. We actually did a documentary called The Wounded Blue, and it, it gives six of our stories and the struggles that we went through. And it's very heart-wrenching for a lot of people and, and gut-wrenching for those that are still in the line of duty because most law enforcement, does, they don't realize the, the myth that they've been told. They don't realize the fairy tale of we're going to take care of you and that it is a fairy tale. It is. And um, again, I don't want to sound like the heavy coming off uh, as beating our, our agencies out there. Uh, they have the best intentions at heart. A lot of times, uh, they do, some don't. But the moment you are hurt and the decision is made between the doctors and lawyers and everybody else that you can't return to work, it no longer falls under the realm of the police department, the sheriff's department, whatever agency. It comes under the realm of the city, county, state, and their bean counters. And that point, folks, you are a number. And there's nothing they can do for you to help you. You're absolutely correct. You go from being an asset to a liability in a in a split second, the same split second it took to get hurt. They don't want to see you as a human being anymore. One of my friends, Sean Smotherman, actually said you go from being, you know, corporal such and such to number six four two three right. in the in the pool of how much are you going to cost me? And your your name changes to a dollar sign, and the first thing they begin to do is fight against it. And what and they do not, too, we're going to go to break here in a moment. Is when I was on the job, I had a job. I filled, for lack of better words, there a, a quote of how much manpower you had to have. And we were always short, but I was a sergeant when I got hurt and retired. So they're supposed to have X amount of sergeants on the, the street at all times. When I could no longer do the job anymore, I was not a sergeant in the city's mind. I was an expense. And they want to get me retired, fired, quit, or back to work. And if you can't get back to work, then the options are fired, quit, or retired. And they really didn't care which one of those it was. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. I promise you, we'll be right back. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603. 800-451-8603. That's 800-451-8603. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost, and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 
and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand, and for over 35 years now, I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800 956 0677 get your free starter kit until 500 are gone you'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk largely tax-free and get 90 percent of the work done for you for pennies that's 800-956-0677 800-956-0677 again 800-956-0677 that's 800-956-0677 conversation with retired Sheriff's Corporal Eddie Richardson uh, from South Carolina. Now, Eddie, brief overview of your law enforcement career, where you started, how long you were there, yada, 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 for lack of better words. (laughs) Okay, well, I I started late in life um, into law enforcement. I I say that kind of jokingly. I was in my late 20s. I got hired on with the South Carolina Highway Patrol, and the first thing I realized was uh, it bored the heck out of me. I I could not sit there and write tickets and work traffic wrecks all day. Um, I became an, an expert at police physics, which is which is probably the, the 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 driest thing that you can do in law enforcement in general. So after five years, I moved over to the local county sheriff's department, and uh, and I really started to investigate the real cases, and I loved it. I mean, I ate it up. It, it, to me, it was uh, that was real policing. And it, I, I worked my way up to the rank of corporal and became a shift supervisor in the area. I just I thoroughly enjoyed every aspect of that because I felt like I was in the raw, real, heavy duty uh, law enforcement. Well, realm you do realize you, than, you probably just really made a lot of state troopers angry. I, I understand that, and then you know, and, and with their pretty uniforms. In their defense, their too, uniforms and their hats. In, in some can. parts, uh, like where I came from, Maryland, you had some counties were a full service state barracks, so they would they handled everything, and they supplemented the local sheriff's department. In other areas, they just did traffic and highway enforcement. And I'll be honest with you, in my years of policing, I hated traffic work. It was just the most boring thing. Unless I thought they had guns, drugs, were felons, I, I was not interested. 
Exactly. And I, I grew up in upstate New York. Uh, one of your other guests was from Buffalo the other day. Oh, yeah, Dylan. So, I, mean, I, I grew up in that area. And to me, state police was, that's what state police was. They came in, they did everything. South Carolina, you are a traffic division. Mm-hmm. Um, was not what I thought I was getting into at all. So my shout out to the state police in New York for the work that they do. That's what I thought I was getting into. And obviously did not. So you made the transition. You went to a sheriff's department and you're a full service law enforcement agency. Yes, sir. And you advanced, you made rank, you went to the rank of corporal, you were a shift supervisor, you're on the street, uh, you were saying that you loved it. Was there any part of it you didn't like? Well, I mean, when you get involved in the politics and the political aspects of it, um, one thing I never cared for was the fact that you don't have free speech as a police officer for fear of upsetting the sheriff. We work in a right-to-work state. So uh, if the sheriff doesn't like your haircut, um, you're, you don't have to uh, show up to work the next day. Gotcha. Um, so anything you did on Facebook, anything you did on any sort of social media was scrutinized to the nth degree. We had a friend on quite often, Lance LaRusso, the Blue Line lawyer out of Georgia, and for law enforcement officers and first responders, firefighters, EMS, all those people, their First Amendment rights are somewhat limited and restricted, especially when it comes to social media all across the country. But I couldn't imagine working in an environment that was at will where basically uh, you could be called in to work one day and they say, hey, we don't like you. You're gone. And that's that's the threat uh, of working in a right-to-work state as much as I'm not a fan of unions from from where I grew up. I, I'm not a also not a fan of the right-to-work aspect of where it, it just depends on what they feel about you on any given day. Uh, it leaves you open to very much so to, to uh, repercussions and uh, and character assassination uh, is better. And I've heard it. this from law enforcement officers from other states that are very, very pro-law enforcement where they had for example, in parts of Texas, they have uh, sheriff's departments where part of the job is civil service and you have some protections and others is at will. And those at will folks can be gone, could be there Tuesday, be gone Tuesday afternoon. Exactly. And you always kind of lived under that fear of the guillotine dropping. I, I've never heard of anybody in law enforcement. Well, I've never had anybody on the radio show in law enforcement said, hey, I love the political aspect of the job. I know there are some <laughs> cats out there that did. We called them station house cats, we, uh, pencil pushers, you name it. We had every kind of derogatory statement you could throw at these people. And they seem to thrive on that. And at this stage of my life, I know we need them for some degree. I just didn't care to be around them. And I'm still not a big fan. I've, I've only been a fan of, um, of a handful of, of people that we called the brass but most of them are, are, you know, they want to surround themselves with yes men. And I'm not, obviously not the yes man type. If I see something wrong, I want to fix it. If I see something wrong, I want to, I want to speak about it. And that doesn't, uh, doesn't really, it's not conducive to popularity in a uh, right to work state atmosphere. So let's get down to the night that your life changed. Uh, you were working, I don't know, night, day, whatever it might be, and you're, you're retired. You were retired on uh, line of duty injuries. Different jurisdictions have different terminology for it. Take us to that day. What happened? Uh, absolutely. I, I, it, was a, it was August 1st, 2016, and it's a, it's a day that I, I will never forget. I... Um, I, I was on a day shift. I had signed on. We had to help out night shift with a canine track, and then I had all my guys going to do their time cards, and we got a call from 
some local uh, frequent flyer drunks that we had saying there was a car in their yard, and I took it for one of my rookies. I said, "Go do your go do your time cards. I'll be down there in a few minutes," and went over to go deal with them. And the the first issue was there was a car in their yard, which there shouldn't have been. Second, they were sober, which scared the heck out of me. But of course, I was too arrogant to realize that these red flags were going up, and I was being cocky. Long story short, the gentleman in their yard um, decided to wait until I was in no man's land, and they were on about a two-acre plot they were renting and just had their Winnebago plot down right in the middle of it. And uh, he waited until I was far enough away from the door and far enough away from my patrol car. He pulled an Ace Ventura, stuck his head right out the side of the window, and just floored it, and he ran me down. There There was nowhere for me to go. Luckily... I was able to, to blade my body and throw my hand onto the hood of the car, and it actually catapulted me up and over rather than becoming a human speed bump. And when I landed, I still don't know how I got off the car. I, I've tried multiple therapies to try and figure it out, and I found my fibers all over the windshield and the A-pillar and the driver's door. And, and we believe I hit my head, but that goes into another comp aspect. But I remember the first thing I remember is I'm on my right foot, on the grass spinning like doing this ballerina pirouette and my left foot's up in front of my face and the first thing I remember is I don't bend this way I'm not built like this because I am not uh I'm not ballerina material and um the look on his face he he was trying to kill me I knew he was trying to kill me something changes I'm gonna stop you there for a moment because you said something that's really important there comes a point in this scenario and I've been there I'm sure many police have been there where you know this person is trying to kill you, not hurt you, not just get away, not just, hey, I want to say something really rude and haul butt. No, they're trying to get rid of you at that point. Yes, and there there was no doubt about that. And when Um, they do that, does your mind change? Did you have an aha moment in your head where you're like, "Uh uh-oh? Well, I wish I did. What, unfortunately, because of our training, the, the I'm sitting there going through my mental checklist of you know ability, opportunity, jeopardy as I'm pulling my weapon, and it didn't even dawn on me until days later that I'd actually gone through that checklist without even rationalizing the fact he had just used deadly force against me. Right. Because it was a car, not a gun. And so, how often uh, do we hear in the news uh, that police should be shooting at cars? Uh, I, I cannot believe the amount of times I've heard recently people saying that, and I'm going, do you not realize that it's at a minimum a 2,400-pound bullet? And I can tell you from experience that when it hits you at 22 miles an hour, you feel it. Yeah, you the, human body's not, the human body's not going to withstand that kind of punishment. There are certain things that news media loves to say, and we'll continue on the conversation. We've got a break coming up in a moment, but there's a couple things that news media loves to say. They love to say, police officer shoots unarmed man. Well, that's how I got hurt and retired. The, the typical unarmed man tried to shoot me with my service revolver while it's still in my hand. Uh, fortunately, he survived. I survived. Many surgeries later, I was retired. The other one is police officer shoots at car as if it's an inanimate object and there's no real threat to the person from the person operating the vehicle which you and i both know is not the case and certainly was not the case in your scenario which we'll talk about more when we return this is the law enforcement today show we'll be right back epidemic america's public health crisis these are all terms that describe the current problem 
of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost, and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center. Got an old car? You can donate it, whether it's running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation and save a life. They'll even come and pick it up for free. The United Breast Cancer Foundation has saved hundreds of women's lives through their free or low-cost breast screen exams. But now they need your help. The United Breast Cancer Foundation wants to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 800-280-9435. Call right now. That number again is 800-280-9435. In every community across the United States, towns, cities, states, we have law enforcement officers. We have first responders. We have incredible stories of heroism from our first responders. From law enforcement officers, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters. In addition to that, we have heroic crime victim survivors. If you want to tell your story of survival and how you recovered and how you rebuilt your life, Feel free to contact us. We'd love to have you as a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. We made it so easy to get a hold of us, too. There's many different ways. Go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. The Contact Us page is the webpage. Download our free app on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. You can contact us through the free app. You can contact us on our Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram. Heck, send me an email. My email address is J, that's J-A-Y, at lawenforcementtoday.com. You see, we'd love to hear your story. And we know, we hear so often, I have a story to tell, but no one will give me a platform. Law Enforcement Today is your platform. Back to our conversation with retired Sheriff's Corporal Eddie Richardson on the Law Enforcement Today show. Eddie, you, you went to this call. And we all have these calls where it's a, you call them frequent flyers. It's every day or every Friday, this family would call, alcohol's involved, drugs involved. You get there and you said that they weren't drunk, they were sober. And it's actually a vehicle in a yard that they're concerned about. And some red flags should have gone off, but they didn't. Well, they went off, but I think it was my um, 
I think it was my not not arrogance, but just uh, my confidence level was awful high. Going, you know, I've been here so many times. I've I've been through these scenarios so many times. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, but I was still taking a good officer safety presence, you know, where I was at, where I'd positioned my vehicle, where I was dealing with them. He just, he got me in that one spot that there was just nowhere for me to go. And it, you don't really think about it. You know, you really try and run through the scenarios of what's going to happen. But sincerely, how many times as cops have you have we really sat back and said, that guy's going to run me over with his car on purpose, go from a dead stop, and he's going to chase well, me down. So until he you really can't. You can't come up with it in your head. And you can't, I don't care how much you train. Training is so important, so vital. You can't train for every possible scenario because something comes up that's not going to be like any you train for. Exactly. It, it, they, do, they do not train. They train you to run a marathon, but they don't train you to outrun a vehicle. There's just, there's no training involved with that. And, you know, that maybe that's where the police physics came into my head was if I throw my hand on the hood, maybe I'll go over instead of under. And that that was probably the best thing that, that I could if have you'd done. gone under that vehicle, it probably would have killed you. Uh, absolutely. Something tells me either I, I, it would have killed me, crushed me, or he would have drugged me until the point that I was no longer there. Before uh, this guy hit you with a car, I mean, you're talking to the residents of Winnebago. They say there's a guy out in the car in the yard, and you see the guy. And did they say anything else? Like, be careful, there's something wrong with this guy, or he's whacked out, or he's a threat? Well, I, and the thing was, I'd approached him first, and he said, they know me, I'm fine, I'm just sleeping it off. I'm so-and-so. And when I went up to them, they said, he's not, who he, he's not who he's saying he is. We just want him gone. So my entire mentality was, well, if he leaves, you guys are going to be fine. You're going to let me go yeah. about my business for it the It sounds day. like a family disturbance type deal. Nothing crazy. It, exactly. And, and then when I got down into no man's land is when he decided that he was going to do what he was going to do. And they actually, the two the two drunks were my best witnesses because they saw the whole thing happen. As a matter of fact, one of their statements said, I thought that he had killed the officer uh, when they saw me go up and over the car. But when I landed, you know, I, I, I my first thought was, you know, to look at him, see what he was doing. And as he's staring me down, I knew he was coming back at me. So I had to use deadly force still with one foot in the air. I don't know how I did it, but the first three shots, I, I got him. And then Which he that in itself is almost impossible to, to duplicate and replicate. You and I both know that. It's We practice on paper targets. They're not moving or we're not moving. But when you've got someone moving, running, driving a car, you're moving, running, whatever, it's difficult. It, it was... What's funny, though, is when you go through all that training, that muscle memory and everything, it, it amazed me how I was able to, to track him. I actually shot six times, but the three other shots were where he was at the time, but had fallen down in his seat. So uh, all six of my shots actually would have been on mark with one foot up in the air and spinning. But I, I, I give full credit to, to the training from people like Don Weeder and such that, that have taught us to kind of think outside the box when it comes to our shooting scenarios. We just never really envisioned anything of that nature. No, I certainly wouldn't. And I, I got hit by a car. It was a glancing blow many, many years ago. I was getting out of a patrol car on a one-way street, and we carried, carried nightsticks then, and this car came a little too close, clipped my nightstick, hit the radio antenna, and I got hit with the A-pillar of my left shoulder and knocked me down. And it didn't it, shoulder injury for a while, but it didn't seem anything serious until. And he kept going. He didn't even know he hit me, and I had surgery four or five years ago on this shoulder. But your scenario is 
obviously totally different. This guy's uh, intending to try to run you over and kill you with his car. Yes, sir. And and, and I've been clipped before uh, when I was with Highway Patrol. And like you said, you know, knock you down. Oh, I'm sore. I've got a deep bone bruise, something of that nature. Yeah. But this, I, I was actually physically able. I got back up and, and ran over to try and render aid to this guy. But he was he was uh, he wasn't going to make it. Um, so I, I, I believe it or not, comforted the guy for the last ninety seconds of his life. And they took me to the hospital and they X-rayed my knees and my shins and they sent me home with four pain pills and said you're fine. Two days later, I go to get out of bed and my legs didn't work, and I mean didn't work. There was there was nothing going on. I, I couldn't even use the bathroom, and we realized that there was something else wrong, and that's where the battles with comp began as to they actually cleared me to go back to work with both of my legs not operating and said I was fine and had to fight for I was a month and a half to get them to do a full MRI on my spine, and that's when they realized that my lower spine had been completely blown out. And that's something that's not diagnosed. I'm no doctor, but it's something you really can't diagnose. You have soft tissue injuries like that around the spine and vertebrae and nerves without doing something like an MRI. Yes. And and it they they, they fought it for 45 days uh, before they finally did the MRI. And luckily, I had a great physical therapist that as they're trying to tell me, you've got to do physical therapy, he's shaking his head at me going, I'm going to do some muscle stretches and stuff with you, but you need to keep fighting. There's something wrong. I can't tell you what's wrong because I'm not a doctor, but there's something wrong. And come to find out, my my disc at L4, L5 had herniated in three directions, which I did not know was humanly possible. And it cut off all the feeling to my lower extremities. So the first thing they tried to do was an injection, which didn't work. And then they did a discectomy, which is actually trimming the fat off the disc. And two weeks later, it popped, and I lost all the feeling in my right leg again. My left leg was working. They proceeded to spend the next eight months telling me I was lying. And in the meantime, I had to have a full repair of my right hip. And when they sent me to a neurologist, as they said in the meeting, to prove you're faking, we're sending you to this neurologist. And the neurologist did the testing on me and shook his head and put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, I'm sorry they let it go too long your L5 nerve is dead and your L4 nerve is about 80, 80% dead right now, the chances of recovery are less than 1%. So that was the point when I realized I had to look at retirement without the use of my right leg. So we're so talking that, uh, major major nerve damage. The spine injury, people can minimize it. They tend to say, oh, it's just a bad back, no big deal. I've done it myself to me. Yeah, it's not a big deal. But we talk about nerve damage, permanent nerve damage. It's a totally different scenario. And when you start talking about temporary or partial paralysis, that's basically the situation you're talking about, correct? Yes, sir. I, I, my right leg now works off of muscle memory. Sometimes I can feel hot and cold in super extremes, but I have severe drop foot that I have a, a, a leg brace for. They did end up agreeing to do a fusion uh, which was almost 18 months after the initial incident. We're going to take a short break here, Eddie. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. We returned our conversation with retired Sheriff's Corporal Eddie Richardson. We'll talk more about his injury, uh, where he's at now, and what it's taken to get here. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. 
Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Americans are going crazy for a new Italian diet pill that burns three times more fat than dieting alone. And the next 100 callers get three bottles for free. Sold under the brand name Invigorate 3X, this powerful pill triggers metabolic acceleration, a process that's deficient to most Americans, making weight loss a hassle. But a new study shows 30 pounds gone in 90 days with just two capsules a day. Julie B. of Nashville says, I was skeptical, but when I saw a famous doctor made it, I decided to try it. I was shocked. I lost 16 pounds in six weeks. For a limited time, our listeners get three free bottles with a qualifying order. Call 1-800-932-1786 now to get started. Call in the next 10 minutes and also get a free bottle of the Doctor's Ultra Detox. And don't forget your free 14-day diet fix. No obligation and 100% free when you call right now. 800-932-1786. 800-932-1786. Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand, and for over 35 years now, I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800-956-0677. Get your free starter kit until 500 are gone. You'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk, largely tax-free, and get 90% of the work done for you for pennies. That's 800-956-0677. 800-956-0677. Again, 800-956-0677. That's 800-956-0677. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Returning to our conversation with retired Sheriff's Corporal Eddie Richardson, this is the Law Enforcement Today show. I'm John J. Wiley. Eddie, before we get back into your injuries that retired you caused your retirement we'll talk about where you're at now what it's taken to get there the struggles you faced one of the things that we did kind of glance over uh, that there's a big misconception thanks to the media and hollywood that when a law enforcement officer has to use deadly force and does wind up killing the person it creates an after effect emotional and otherwise, how were you after that incident emotionally with the realization that you had to kill somebody? Well, it'll come off kind of cold to say it, but I was I was okay with the decision that I made that day. I knew in that scenario it was either him or me. Right. There was no doubt in my mind about it. I I wished I didn't have to be put in that situation, but I can't what if uh, the rest of my life when it comes to that, it, that did not bother me as much as the psychological trauma of having to heal, having to deal with the internal police culture, and then to deal with the utter and complete abandonment of law enforcement in general. Well, that's um, something that's very common as well. When you 
were in this incident and you shot and killed the guy, what a lot of people don't seem to realize is that it, it's not a cover-up to begin with. It's a, it's a criminal investigation. Quite often, it's handled either by their homicide division for big departments or another agency will handle it. And the victim is the person who was killed. doesn't matter what they were trying to do. And the suspect is the officer who shot him. Was that the scenario for you? With mine, that was that was exactly the scenario. Here I am, I'm on crutches with my legs not working, had to have an attorney that was retained, had to go to the state law state law enforcement division, which is SLED here in South Carolina, and they, they had to do an investigation from start to finish, and they treated it as if they would treat any other homicide. As a matter of fact, his death certificate reads homicide because I did kill him. Right. Um, but they have to go through multi. I had a multi-level investigation. I had the investigation from SLED to see if it, if I had broken state criminal laws. Then I had an internal investigation to make sure that I hadn't violated any policies. So that was handled by our internal affairs, and they all go in step. After, but before we went to IA, SLED did their investigation. Then, regardless of their findings, still presented to a grand jury to see if the public feels that I violated state law. Then it goes to my internal affairs to see if I violated policy. And then I received clearance on all of those just prior to my retirement. But the federal investigation that most people don't realize occurs is to see if I had violated that man's civil rights. And I still have not received the paperwork. This is from August 1st, 2016. They still haven't told me if I'm clear from any federal repercussions from this. So technically speaking, you're still a suspect in that area. Correct. Uh, until I receive official paperwork, I am still considered a suspect in the eyes of the federal government until they complete their investigation. One of the things I hear quite often, and I've experienced it myself, is that when this happens, if you're banged up, you're injured, the person tried to kill you, you're just doing your job. You got called to that scene for service. It's not something you made up or took action on your own, uh, and you were forced in a position where you didn't want to be, but you defended your life, and all of a sudden, you have to undergo an intense criminal investigation where you are the suspect. And that just doesn't make sense in my head. I understand why they do it, but emotionally, it didn't feel right then, and it still doesn't feel right now. No, and it, and it shouldn't. I get the aspect for disclosure. I get the aspect for transparency that's needed when it comes to civilians and law enforcement. But what they don't understand is when you go from that and you switch gears, the depression that comes, the isolation that comes, because you can't speak to anybody. And they you're, can't you're talk to you, exactly. You, you, you are left alone. You, you have the contact of your attorney and your spouse. You're not even supposed to speak to the rest of your family about it, which of course, I'm not going to not tell my dad what happened, you know? But you're not allowed to speak to anybody about that situation, and you have to figure these investigations drag on for uh, 12 to 18 months of complete and total isolation. Yeah, and for so many of us, when that occurs, if you're you're physically injured, you're badly injured, uh, you've gone through a life and death situation where, in your case, uh, the person lost their life, and then compound it, the camaraderie, the coping skills we had of being with each other was gone it, it was completely and totally vacant and that's the point that i became suicidal and people won't understand unless they've been there i try and make them understand if they haven't that the isolation is is tantamount to torture and when as law enforcement 
ourselves we're trained to eliminate the threat with the least amount of force as possible right. when you see the you see the rest of your life crumbling around you for your friends your family your career you're emasculated you can't do your job anymore how tough is it for us to make that switch even though it's the emotional part of our brain making that this trying to make a logical decision to say we are the threat to ourselves so it makes it that much easier to make that step as a, as a law enforcement officer being trained to do it to go i am the threat i need to eliminate myself and it, i can't speak for any officer that has committed suicide i can only tell you what i thought at the time that I did place the gun in my mouth on multiple occasions and almost pulled that trigger. And to me, it was the logical recourse to eliminate myself from it because I was the one that was holding everybody else up. I was the one causing everybody else's misery. But it was just because of all of the things that had happened and all the hoops that I was supposed to jump through and all the fighting that I did both mentally and physically in trying to heal. So that's where my shift happened. I was at my darkest. I was, I was literally at my darkest. And I went to the press to discuss that when I, got, when I retired, they gave me the wonderful benefit of taking my medical insurance from me. I had no way to take care of my family. My wife had quit work, was taking care of me because I wasn't getting out of bed. And I went to the press, and it did not go over well with, with the local powers that be that I had gone to the press. And I was extremely depressed and I knew I was extremely depressed, but I didn't know what else to do other than to take care of the problem, which I felt was me. And this guy calls me out of nowhere, saw my story on the news and said, can I talk to you? I don't know who else to turn to. And I, I said, sure. What the hell am I going to lose? And I get on the phone with him and he says, Hey, I, I didn't know who else to talk to. I'm holding my gun in my hand. And I instantly turned back into police mode, and I'm like, hey, you got my attention. What's going yeah, on? Absolutely. And so he starts telling me his story, and I went out to see him. And within two weeks, I had over 48 officers that had seen my story and said, hey, listen, I'm suffering silently. Let me tell you what happened to me. And I realized that there was this community of us that were hidden. We were all hermits. We were all scared to talk because of the First Amendment issues, because of they didn't want to screw up their retirement, because they didn't want their department to know, because they didn't want the stigma. And I started working with these people and commiserating with them and eventually got to the point where I was starting to actually do advocacy. I was starting to push with people like Heidi Paulson and, and Jackie Person and people like that that were out there trying to make a change and try and make it so the next person won't suffer the way that they did. I want to make it easier on the next person. I don't ever want anybody to go through what I went through. And I want so, them, I don't want them to feel like they're there by themselves when they're going through it. That's part of the reason why we do the law enforcement today's show. Part of it is for some people who aren't in law enforcement can, can get the real deal of what happens. And other part is for those right now, and you know there's guys and gals are listening that are, are feeling I'm the only one that's going through this, and they're not. There's many that have gone through that. We're going to have to have you back because we're, we're out of time. Before we leave, I do want you to have the opportunity to tell people where to get more information about you and the Wounded Blue. Absolutely. I have a professional page, Corporal Eddie Richardson, on Facebook. The Wounded Blue has its own Facebook page, and we also have the woundedblue.org, uh, which is their website, and you can go on to Amazon Prime, and you can rent the documentary. It's a little bit over an hour long. Uh, it's called The Wounded Blue, and it's specifically on Amazon Prime right now, but it'll be coming to some other outlets soon. 
And by the way, Law Enforcement Today has our own forums as well. You are welcome to come there. The Wounded Blue is welcome to open up a category, but uh, part of it is peer support as well. And I've found just uh, from my own experience that only people who've been through it can really understand. I appreciate the efforts of those who try to help, but if they haven't been there, they're limited in how what they can and, and, and to what degree they can help. Corporal Eddie Richardson, thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforcement Today's show. Very much appreciated. Oh, thank you for having me, Jay. We feature police officers, law enforcement officers, active, retired, spouses, family members, and supporters talking about their experiences from their point of view. If you want to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a great guest, we'd love to hear from them. And we'd accommodate them from anywhere. It doesn't matter where they are. We can uh, record them here at our studios. So just contact us. The easiest way is go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, the Contact Us tab. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement Today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, see ya.